hello and welcome back to another episode of the Can't Be Real podcast. It is your girl Rachel back with another episode. We are picking back up where we left off at last week in the book of James chapter 1. Um, but before we get started, I just want to say thank you for everybody who listened, everybody who shared it. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you for helping me try to grow my audience and reach my audience and being my audience. Um, definitely like this video and subscribe if you aren't already subscribed so that you can join the family, you know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, and this we're going to jump right into part two of chapter one and uh, we're going to pray and then get started. So to Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity and this time. I pray that you will bless it in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So to start off, I want to do a brief recap from chapter one or the first part of chapter one the first 18 verses um as well as a little bit of the history so the first background so background information we know that this james who wrote this book is the half brother he's one of the half brothers of jesus um and we know that he wrote it to jewish believers unlike paul who wrote like romans and the corinthians to romans and those at Corinth, the Gentiles, James was writing to Jewish Christians, Jewish believers. So that kind of helps with the context of what he says. Um, so definitely go back and listen to part one if you haven't already. I talked about that. I kind of little went, I went a little bit more in depth with that. And we saw that come up in um, verses like uh, 17 and 18. Uh, we also, we talked about um, persevering and considering it all joy when you face trials of many kinds and adversity. We talked about how we need to ask God for wisdom and he'll give it to us generously. We need to believe and not doubt. And then we don't need to be, we do not need to be double-minded or um, in other words, we don't need to be divided in our loyalty between God and the world. Um, and then it's kind of rounded out the first half. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. So that was the first, that was a brief, brief recap of the first half the first half of chapter one verses one through 18 so we're going to jump into reading 19 through 27 and we're going to do like we did last week where we're going to read it and then we're going to take it you know semi verse by verse and kind of look at each of those sections a little bit more in depth and then we'll be done so it says uh my dear brothers and sisters take note of this Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and then... And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they had heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after widows and orphans, I'm sorry, yeah, orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the, wor by the world. So, yeah, we're going to start back over at verses 19 through 21. So I'm going to reread it again and we're going to talk about it. So uh, James says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. 
Everyone must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So, we have quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. That's a, it, you know, if you grew up in Christian circles, or if you're just familiar with a lot of the Christian circles, if you will, like, you would know that that is a really common phrase to hear about, you know, to hear is be slow to speak, slow to get angry, quick to listen, you know, it's not we see that it is a biblical principle, but it's also just one of those like proverbs, one of those things to live by, that will just help you in just relationships with any and everybody, you know, being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. But James is specifically talking to them. And the point I wanted to point out about this first half, not ne not necessarily verse 21 just yet, but in verse 20 when he says, um, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires, we have the righteous. So we have an anger where, you know, you get the anger at in the injustices we see, like when Moses comes down from the mountain and he sees the children of Israel have built a golden calf, um, and they're like worshiping this golden calf while he was on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments from God. He was very upset. He broke the Ten Commandments. But, or, or when we see Jesus flipping tables in the temple, you know, saying how, you know, you've made this, this house of prayer into a den of thieves, you know. Um, this is, that anger is that, that anger, I guess you could consider it more of a righteous anger. You're, you're angry at things that are unjust, um, and God is a God of justice. So you're angry at, you're angry at the things that God is angry at versus you just being angry because, you know, traffic was slow this morning and someone cut in front of you or, you know, someone got smart with you or you got offended by something somebody said or something somebody did that has nothing to do with God at all. That, that's that anger you need to, you know, keep, keep, keep at bay, you know what I'm saying? That's that anger that I, that's the anger that he's talking about. He's, I don't believe James is talking about the righteous anger that we see Jesus displaying and Moses and a lot of the Old Testament uh, prophets displaying. He's not talking about that. He's talking about, in my opinion, he's talking about this petty anger that we have, this human, this fleshly anger that we have. He says it does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So I want to jump into um, Ephesians. So we're in James, but you know, I like to do reference scriptures. So in Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse um, 25, but briefly, I just want to point out that in Ephesians chapter four, specifically the second half of chapter four, Paul is just talking about putting off our old selves that have been corrupted by our deceitful desires and putting on our new self being made new with new, you know, with a new attitude, um, being, uh, being made new in the attitude of our minds rather. So I want to we're gonna start in verse twenty five to thirty, and once again, if I'm looking off, I'm looking at my notes. So it says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. That's from Psalms forty four verse four. I'm sorry, Psalms four four. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no more, but must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit 
with whom you were sealed for that for the day of redemption. So I wanted to read Ephesians 4, 25 through 30, because I felt that that paired really beautifully with James 1, 19 through 21. Because if we go back to James 1, 19 through 21, he's telling us, you know, be slow to speak, be quick to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry and to get rid of all the moral filth and evil in our lives and humbly accept the word of God, the word that has been planted in us. In Ephesians, Paul is literally talking about the same thing. If you go up a little bit more, he's talking about how you've been made new in Christ. So don't do the, you know, so put off this moral filth and evil that you've been, you know, frolicking along, frolicking with, if you will, that you've been so accustomed to put that off when we don't do that no more, you know cast that aside and I like how and love James but I like how Paul words it in Ephesians where he says you know in your anger don't sin that was in verse 26 and then down in verse um the second and verse 27 it says and do not give the devil a foothold so we see how anger our human anger not the righteous anger of God but our human anger can give the devil a foothold. That's how he's able to weasel his way in. You know, if you're, if you feel that somebody wronged you, you're able to hold unforgiveness against somebody. You're able to hold resentment against somebody. Like I said, I'm preaching to myself, child. Okay. Um, but you know, you're, you hold unforgiveness against somebody. You start wishing them ill will, you know, just stuff that's not godly at all. Or, you know, or you're angry at things not working out the way you want them to. So now you're comparing yourself to other people. Don't give the devil a foothold. So I feel that those two passages kind of complement each other. But to stick to James, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Because that our anger, the anger that we so quickly, that just the first instinct to come out of us is to pop off on somebody, that's not from God. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what he wants. That's not righteous. That's not what he desires. So, you know. And then once again, James tells us to get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. And it says, he says, and humbly accept the word that has been planted in you, which can save you. And we're going to kind of touch on that a little bit later, that humbly accept the word that's been planted in you. So we're going to carry on though. We're going to carry on moving on to verses 22 through 25 and 22 through 25 is a extremely well-known. I mean, it's probably, it, it might be as well-known as, well, maybe not people in the world talk about slow to speak, quick to listen, all that good stuff. I don't know how many people in the world know about the mirror passage, but if you're a Christian, you know, I would hope if you've been a Christian for any length of time, I would hope that you've eventually heard of somebody talking about the mirror passage. So I'm gonna read it. Starting in verse uh, James chapter one, verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what he had heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So when I was doing some research on this, I was, I saw something, I couldn't find it later on, but I saw something just talking about how kind of like the context of who, uh, at the, t of the times when this might've been written, when the Jewish Christians believers might have received this, um, you know, it was very likely that they had been scattered 
you know, because they were Jewish believers. They had been scattered, you know, right after um, Stephen was stoned and scattered. They had been persecuted. You know, they were kind of on the run. Hence, while he's talking about persevering through these different trials and consider it pure joy to, per you know, to persevere through these trials because they were being, you know, they were, they were receiving all they got. Jesus had literally promised them when he said, you know, the world's going to hate you because it hated me kind of energy, you know? So it makes sense that he was, he would have, he would have to remind the believers that, you know, I know you've been scattered. I know things have been kind of difficult. You've been trying to persevere through hard times. But, uh, you know, he's like, I see, I'm seeing some of y'all say one thing and do another. He's like, I'm seeing some of y'all. I know y'all was at church on Sunday. I know y'all heard what I heard. And yet when you walk out the building, you walk out as if you hadn't heard what we all just heard. You know, we hadn't heard the revelation that was given to us. We hadn't heard the command that was just given to us, you know, and, the idea of, you know, don't just listen to the word, but do actually do what it says. Otherwise you're fooling yourself. That that's a whole, that's a, that's a deep conversation, you know? So to kind of give a old Testament example of looking in the mirror and then turning around and immediately forgetting what you look like, we're going to talk about briefly the children of Israel go to Exodus chapter 32 and we're just going to read one verse. So you don't necessarily have to go to it. You can just listen along. So in Exodus chapter 32, verse 1, it says, When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, let, make us gods who will, be, who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. So... They literally, like Moses had literally only been gone for like 40 days. You know, he was only on the mountain for 40 days. So within a month and a month and a half, they had already been like, ah, you know, we saw miracles. You know, we saw the pillar of fire. We saw the pillar of cl the clouds. We saw the 10 plagues. We saw the Egyptians. We saw the Red Sea get parted. We saw the Egyptians get washed away and drowned in the Red Sea. Um, but Moses has been gone for a little too long. That's a story on patience, child. Woo. But Moses has been gone a little too long. And, um, yeah, let's go ahead and make some gods, make some idols. Because Moses has been gone too long. And I we was like, I, he, basically, what I'm, when I think about it, you know, it's kind of like, I was like, we forgot. Moses don't forgot about us. We forgot about Moses. Let's just do what we want to do. Let's just go back to the pagan ways, the idolatrous ways of the land of Egypt, what God had literally just taken them out of. Like they had literally, they had been talking, they, they saw the goodness of God. They saw the blessings. They saw the, the miracles and wonders. They heard what Moses had told them. And while Moses was gone, they was like, yeah, let's go ahead and head on back to our old sinful ways. Let's go ahead and just build that calf, Aaron. And, you know, and so it was just like, he was only gone for 40 days, you know, so don't, don't just listen to the word. Like, don't just listen to the word. Don't just see the miracles. Don't just see the, what the signs and wonders actually like do what God tells you to do. You know, like if it's forgiving somebody, forgiveness is a process. I will definitely hundred percent agree with that. But if it's forgiving somebody and you haven't even begun to forgive them, you need to work on that.
You know what I'm saying? Like, God's still working on me, and God's still working on a lot of us, but you need to at least start the process, you know, like asking the Lord to help you to forgive, trying your best to forgive, trying to, you know, trying to humanize them if you feel they did something wrong to you, you know, or whatever, trying to let go, moving forward, trying to not hold it against them, trying not to charge it to their heart. You know, like, you got to make some steps. You can't just hear a blessing on forgiveness and then walk out the door talking about, man, I hate such and such. I hate them. I hate them when they did that. No, it don't work that way. <laughs> you can't do that. That's like looking in the mirror and then immediately forgetting what you look like when you turn around and you don't see yourself anymore. So, like, don't get the revelation of what you look like, warts and all, all the good and the bad. Don't get that revelation and then turn around and think, oh, I'm not so bad. He's like, I'm not that bad. Even though you got eye crusties, you got snot and, and drool dried up on your face, you know, you got spinach in your teeth from last night. Mm-mm. Don't look in the mirror and see all that you got going on and then turn around as if you're perfect. No, ma'am. No, sir. <laughs> no. Well, that's what we're not going to do. That's what we're not bringing into 2023. We're not going to see the signs and wonders and miracles of God and see how he, and listen and read about read about the blessings and the things that he tells us are pleasing unto him and the things that he tells us are not pleasing unto him and then walk away and go jump right back into the sinful things that we do without even feeling convicted and like I get it we're all humans we sin I sin but when there's not even a hint of conviction, not even a hint of shame or guilt about what you may have done or said, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's when, that's when we're starting to encroach into that territory of you just forgot exactly what you look like. You you forgot what you heard. You know, you, 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 you hear it. You hear all the things that God says is pleasing unto him and things that he says is not pleasing unto him. And then you turn right around and do all the stuff that's not pleasing unto him, knowing that it's not pleasing unto him. And then you want to still say you love the Lord. You know, he's calling us out. James is calling us out, which is one of the reasons I love James. I think I said it in the first episode, but he's extremely blunt and straightforward and he's very practical. And so speaking of practical, James tells us how we cannot fall victim to looking in the mirror and then immediately forgetting what we look like. So if you read us in verse 25, it says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So he tells us to look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. The perfect law is that new covenant that we are under because of Jesus Christ's blood. So look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, continue in that perfect law. So look, so when you look into the perfect law, um, another way to kind of think about that is looking at, is kind of seeking God's face in that, in your prayer time, and especially in reading his word. Um, to look intently into the perfect law, I would say best is, is even, is, I guess, best summed up as reading the word, like, met, like knowing what God says, looking into the word for yourself, knowing what he says, reading it and receiving it and asking the Lord to give you a heart to receive what he's telling you and a heart to change according to what he's telling you. So the looking intently, that's the reading the word. That's reading your Bible. That's spending time in your word, spending time in prayer, like meditating, journaling, whatever it is that you do to get into that, you know, that quote unquote Zen space, that meditative space, um, 
whatever you do to get into the presence of God, do more of that, you know, but especially reading more of your Bible, look intently into the word and intently to the perfect law that gives freedom. That perfect law is Jesus Christ. And we read about Jesus Christ through his word. We read about the hope and the, and the, the goodness of God through his word. So look intently into his word, dive into his word. Second thing is continue in that perfect law. So once you start reading his word, don't just read it on Sunday. You know, don't just read it on Sunday and Wednesday or whenever your midday, you know, your midweek Bible study is. Don't just read it on two days and all, you know, the other five days of the week you wild in. No, you, excuse me, you have to continue in it daily. You have to continue reading your word. You have to continue seeking God's face, continue pursuing holiness and righteousness, which is given to us through Christ Jesus. Continue to seek these things. You have to continue in the perfect law. Continue in the way of Jesus. So look intently and then continue in the way that you're looking. So don't, you know, consistency, if you will. And then the third thing, it's like three and four. It is don't forget what you heard, but actually put it into action. You know, and a good way to not forget what you heard is to actually put it into action. You know, think about taking notes. When you you read something, Versus when you actually take notes off of what somebody said or taking notes. When you actually write it down, it helps it. you memorize it more than if you just hear it or you just see it. So don't forget what you heard and put it into action. So making, in, making the intentional decision to not forget, you know, like if that makes sense. Making the intentional decision to not forget what you just heard. And then on top of that, put what you just heard into action because faith without works is dead. We're going to read that later on in James 2. Faith without works is dead. You can't, you can't, you can't say you have faith and then not show it by your works. If that doesn't even make sense, you know what I'm saying? You can't say, oh no, I believe you can catch me. Why won't you do a trust fall? <laughs> you know, you gotta, faith without works is dead. Not that we're saved by our works, but we prove our faith by our works. Like I said, we're going to talk about that later on in James. So, yeah. And then, let me see, what else do I have to say? Oh, before I, before I move on from this point. Um, so these three things that James tells us to do, look intently, continue, and then don't forget and put it into action. Um, these are not impossible things to do. Because James has already told us, like we said, like we saw in verse 21, James already told us that, we are able to do these things because the word has already been planted in us. The word that we're seeking out has already, not only has it been given to us to physically read in our Bibles, but it's been planted. God has wrote it on our hearts. That word has already been planted within us. And so all we just have to do is just humbly submit to it, humbly accept his word and then live accordingly. You know, it sounds easier said than done. You know, it's harder on the back end, on the practicality, but the lesson is simple, you know, go and sin no more. That's a simple command. The hard part is actually not falling into temptation. You know, that's the hard part. But the simple part was the command, go and sin no more. The simple part is to look intently into the word, you know, into the perfect law that gives freedom to continue in this perfect law, to, to do what it says and not forget what it says, you know. But it requires practical application. It requires actually doing it. That's when you'll see fruit. That's when you'll see results in your life. That's when you'll see, you know, the spiritual growth that you may be wanting to see. That's when you actually 
get consistent about doing what you said you was going to do. You know, actually get consistent about putting into practice what you just heard on Sunday throughout the rest of your week. So, um, and then real quick, you know, when we look intently into this mirror, this word that we have, we're able to see the areas where we need to work on, you know, in ourselves. And more importantly, we come to the understanding that Jesus has already taken care of it. He's sanctifying us. He's cleaned us up so that we can be a true reflection of the word to others. You know, we talk, we've heard people talk about how like your life may be the only sermon somebody hears or somebody sees, you know, um, our lives, how we, how we look, how we are to the world. We should be a, we should be a reflection of the word. If the word is our mirror, we look at the word if our word is our mirror we learn to look into and see ourselves we should be coming more and more like the word so that we reflect the word if that makes sense it's it was kind of when I was doing my notes it was a thought that I was like "Ooh, that was deep and then I was like I don't think that's going to be difficult to try to articulate but we are a reflection of the world of the word not the world we are a reflection of the word and so we need to be we people need to be able to see Christ in us at the end of the day you know at the end of the day if you say you're a Christian and yet nobody can tell I got questions and you should have questions too you know if you say you were Christian but all you do is you know I want to thank God for you know my mom and my dad but you out here hustling in the streets bugging you know you living your best life so to speak if you know you're not you're 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 not you're not reflecting the word the word doesn't contradict itself and you're a walking contradiction you know once again James calling this out he's calling I mean he's essentially saying when I look at it he's kind of calling us hypocrites he's calling us walking contradictions you know like don't be a con don't don't contradict yourself don't deceive yourself don't be a don't be a hypocrite you know but anyway I digress. So the last two verses we're going to talk about very briefly, and then we're going to read a passage from Matthew, and then we'll be done. So 26 and 27, it says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and the religion is worthless. So I'm going to pause right there. We're not going to stay here long on 26 because in chapter 3, a good chunk of it is literally talking about taming the tongue. So I want to save the whole taming the tongue, reigning in the tongue conversation for chapter three. Um, but I do just kind of want to briefly bring up that, you know, if you can't even control your tongue and you claim to be religious, James is like, you're lying to yourself and your religion is worthless. Once again, he's pulling no punches. <laughs> he said, you're lying to yourself and your religion is absolutely worthless. If you can't even control your tongue, you can't even rein in what you say. That's deep. You know what I'm saying? Like, how many times do we catch ourselves talking out the side of our necks to people, being extremely disrespectful or rude to people, and yet we want to talk about, but I'll see you at, you know, I'll see you at church next Sunday. Sir, ma'am, what? You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a, this is a, this is a, this is a church event. This is a, this is a, the corporate worship session. And here you are being extremely disrespectful to me from the other pew. That don't make no sense. He's like, your religion is worthless because... You're nothing but a hypocrite. You're a walking contradiction and you give, 
your salt is not salty anymore. That's essentially what he's saying. He's like, your salt ain't even salty no more. So, useless, worthless. But like I said, the the taming of the tongue, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that in chapter 3. So, I want to end on verse 27 and then a passage from Matthew. So, 27 says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their dis- in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So I'm going to read Matthew chapter 25 verses 30 through thir- 35 through 36 and then verse 40. So in 35 it says this is the sheep and this is when Jesus was telling the parable between the sheep and the goats. It says uh for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then in verse 40, the people are the, the people who the sheep, if you will, are like, when did we do these things? And God is like, Jesus is like, the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So he's like, take care of people and keep yourself from being polluted by the world love people and sin no more i mean that's that's you know that's one of the big tenets of the you know that you can kind of walk away from with any that's the benediction you know what i'm saying like love god love people how do you love god you love god by showing your love for people you know what I'm saying? Like, that's basic one-on-one. Greatest commandment in the second is like it. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, so once again, James is, you know, I'm realizing like James is kind of, he definitely is reiterating a lot of things. He's he's talking about some things that Paul also talked about, not necessarily that they talked about them, you know, together. They were Paul was talking to the the Gentiles. James was talking to the to the Jews, but there's a lot of crossover, you know, between what James said versus what what Paul said. And we, we know there's crossover, and we can accept that is cross. We can accept the crossover, if you will, because Jesus said it. Jesus lived that way, you know. Jesus, everything he said, he meant what he said, and he did what he said. You know, he said if he, if he was gonna love people, he was gonna love people. You know, if he was going to forgive, he was going to forgive. He forgave the people who nailed him to the cross, who crucified him. He forgave Peter for denying him and the other disciples for abandoning him. He forgives us, you know, for our raggedy, sinful selves, you know. And James is just basically calling us out. He's calling the Jews out, but we are able to read it and he's calling us out as well because we claim to be believing the same things they believe. He's calling us out and being like, if you if you believe it, then stand on it. If you believe it, then stand on it. And you know, and like I said, this last part, he's like God considers the religion that God considers as pure and faultless is not is not the old, you know, the old law, you know, it's not, the, it's not the old law. It's not what, it's not whatever legalistic ideas you may have. It's loving people, taking care of orphans and widows and keeping yourself from being polluted by the world, loving people and not sinning, <laughs> you know, I mean, easier said than done, but it's as simple as that. So that is all that I have. 
and hopefully this was enjoyable for you. My pace was a little slower this time, but I hope it was still enjoyable. I hope you still got something from it. I'm going to pray us out and then we'll be done. So to Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Lord God, for your word. I thank you, God, for your goodness and your mercy. And I thank you, Lord God, for giving us books of the Bible like James, which tell it to us straight up that are blunt and don't hold punches. Thank you, God, for this practical book of wisdom and teaching and knowledge, Lord God. I pray we're able to... We are all able to read your word and to put it into practice, not just looking in the mirror and then forgiving, forgetting what we look like, but to actually do what we hear and what we read. I pray all these things and many things and many others in your wonderful name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So that is all I have today. Um, next week, we're going to jump into, cha into chapter two. So until next time. Bye.